Welcome to the Central Christian Church Podcast. We pray this message helps you find and follow Jesus. If you would like to connect with us more, please visit us at centralsj.org. Well, Merry Christmas, Central family. Uh, I haven't had the honor to meet you. My name's Tim, and I get the joy of serving as lead pastor here at, at Central. And I just want to start by wishing you and your family a very Merry Christmas. And, uh, and you guys here in the room, you're looking good, by the way. So, so well done. And, uh, and if you're like, like most people, you probably just need to take a deep breath right about now, like... Okay, we're, we're here. We did it. I, uh, I was driving to meet a buddy for lunch on, uh, on Thursday, and uh, I was at the corner of Minnesota and Lincoln, like by downtown Willow Glen, and in my rearview mirror, this guy pulls out on a motorcycle, and his car almost hits him, so he's not happy. He's telling him he's number one and all this great stuff for Christmas, and they, they pull over, and the dude gets out of his car, and this guy's wearing a helmet, and he proceeds to punch the guy. I'm like, he's wearing a helmet, like not the smartest idea, but all that to say, people are wound a little tight uh, these days. And so, hey, you're here. You made it. You look good. (sighs) Deep breath. You did it. Well done. Well done. And for those of you online, we're so glad that you're with us. Let's give it up for those tuning in with us online tonight. We're glad that you're here. Well, it is uh, credited to St. Francis. This guy named St. Francis of Assisi is credited with coming up with the, the recreation of the nativity, that, that very first Christmas. It actually, he recreated it in 1223 AD in Italy, and he created it uh, with live people, with, with people, with animals. And his, his purpose in recreating this nativity scene uh, was to demonstrate to you, to demonstrate to me, to demonstrate to the church at that time just how humble the realities of the arrival of the king really was. Uh, I don't know if you guys, you guys have a, a nativity set at your home. Anybody have one? Um, awesome. About 15 of you. Great. Well, that's awesome. Uh, how many of you have seen a nativity scene like as you drive around looking for Christmas lights? There it is. Nice. Now, well, I remember growing up, my parents had a, a nativity scene and, and I thought it was cool because it was like you get out these action figures at Christmas time and, and they had this stable that, that was made out of wood and the roof had like moss on it. And I just remember it vividly and thought it was, thought it was the best thing. And so this is, this is a nativity scene here. Um, how you might notice they're all white, um, and the original nativity scene, they were not Caucasian. Uh, they were, they're from Israel, the Middle East, so they would have looked a little different. So someone took some artistic liberties uh, with this nativity, nativity scene. But if you've been with us throughout uh, the month of December, then you know we've been studying uh, these characters uh, that were at the first Christmas. And we talked in week one about this guy named Joseph, uh, the, the earthly father of, of Jesus. And we talked about how Joseph received news that this woman who he loves, who he's engaged to, who they're, they're, they're illegally married at this point, uh, his, his woman he loves rocks up pregnant. And she's like, Joseph, it's not yours, but it's okay. The Holy Spirit did it. And Joseph is like, yeah, right. You know, like, how would you respond? You know, and so we learned from Joseph that you have no idea what God can do through one moment of obedience. And oftentimes, like Joseph, obedience in your life, obedience in my life is really hard. Uh, But you have no idea what God can do through one moment of obedience. And then week two, we looked at this 
This little lady here, again, she probably, she wasn't as pasty white as this lady is, but um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and historians tell us that, we, we think of Mary being a grown woman, but, but historically, she is more likely 14 or 15 years old. Some scholars even date her as young as 12 to 13 years old. I mean, a very, very young girl. The Bible tells us she was a virgin. She's engaged to be married to Joseph, and for her to get this, this message that, Mary, you're going to give birth to a baby. You're going to get impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and he's going to bring, bring hope to the world. And on one hand, as we look back in 2023, we're like, wow, Mary, what an honor. That's so exciting. But for Mary, she knew like this news would revolutionize her life. And the culture of this day, like to get pregnant outside of, of, of wedlock would, would mean that she would at best be an outcast in society. At worst, Joseph could literally have her killed for this news. And we learn from the life of Mary that you have, that surrender isn't just a moment in time, but surrender is actually moments all the time. And throughout Mary's life, she would have to surrender again and again to God's plan, to God's call on her life. And then we looked at, at these guys, uh, the shepherds, and we learned that, that they're actually the lowest class. Like, like they weren't high-ranking citizens. They're on the same level as like a prostitute or a, a dung sweeper, or someone who cleans up dung all, all the time out of the streets. And like it, kids were instructed, like whenever you see a shepherd walking towards you, you walk on the other side of the street because they're, they're, they're unclean and they can make you unclean. And, and isn't it interesting that of anyone in society God chose shepherds, the uneducated, the underwhelming, the overlooked, to be the first people that he delivered the message that Jesus, the Messiah, is born. They heard, they found Jesus. They went and told everyone what they had seen and heard. And the Bible says that all who heard it were astonished. And we learned last week that, that we have really have no idea what God could do in your life, in the life of someone else, through one moment of, of boldness. And then these, these guys, you've seen these in the nativity. These are, these are known as wise men. And typically there's three of them because the, the Bible accounts that they, they brought three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, and you can read about this in Matthew chapter 2. It's the only gospel that records the wise men, uh, or they're often called magi. These guys would have been skilled in the arts of divination, in, in sorcery. They would have been skilled in astrology. Uh, we get our English word magic from these guys, the Magi, who, who studied that, that craft. But these guys are a big deal. They were actually kingmakers of the day. There was no king in Persia or Babylon at the time uh, without the approval of the Magi. And so whenever they travel, we often see them uh, in our nativity scenes, like with one camel and, and some gold and gifts. Uh, but historians tell us that these Magi would have traveled with 100 to 500 mounted cavalry. Uh, these guys were a big deal. They would have had a whole entourage around them, protecting them. So whenever they stroll into Jerusalem, kingmakers of the day, looking for the king of the Jews with, with 100 to 500 mounted horses, you can understand why King Herod was a little disturbed. Uh, but these guys didn't come to the stable. They didn't come to see baby Jesus. They came a couple years later. So if you have a nativity scene at home, you might sit this in the kitchen or someplace far away because they don't come till a few years, a few years later. But, but I was thinking about this Christmas and kind of this, this nativity scene and, and how it represents for us not just the scene that first Christmas, but, but really this is kind of a picture of your life. This can kind of serve as a picture of, of my life. 
And, and what's most important in your life and in my life is how we, we structure our, our life. Here's what, here's what I mean. If, if this Christmas your life isn't working out the way that you think it should, or maybe you feel like there's some things in my life that just don't feel like I'm experiencing God's best in my life, then I would suggest to you that maybe it's not that Jesus isn't in the picture. Maybe we just have him in the wrong place. And so the way we structure the nativity, like it's, it's very intentional. Like you can notice the wise men, the shepherd, even like this, this sheep, ah, like he's <laughs> Jesus. He's all looking at Jesus. The, the, the donkey's looking at Jesus. The cow's looking at Everyone's focused on, on Jesus. And, and whatever you put at the center of your life, it, it, it matters. Kind of like the sun in our solar system. Everything revolves around it. It's where we gain energy. It's where we gain, gain a source of strength. And so so what if we, we take Jesus out of the center of our life and what if we put some, something else there? Like what if we put, put the shepherd there? So the shepherd would represent our work, right? Uh, this is the working class. He's the, being a shepherd was a grimy job. It was, you got your hands dirty. But for most of us, we spend the balance of our life working, right? Like most of us work eight to five and we spend the best hours of our life at work. And, and that's not bad. That's actually a really really good thing. For 90% of us, our social life kind of evolves around our, our work and, and what we do. And, but, but here's the deal. You're, you're made to do more than just make money and pay bills and taxes and, and then, then die one day. You're created for a whole lot more. And so if, if work, if your whole world revolves around your work, then, then, then you're probably missing out on something this Christmas. And it's not that Jesus isn't in the picture. It's just that Jesus is like tucked behind the cattle uh, here on, on the picture of your life instead of being at the center, center of your life. And if, if that's where you are, then it's worth just acknowledging and maybe recalibrating and readjusting uh, some pieces in your life. Or, or, or we could say these guys, these wise men, represent fame and, and wealth. And, and these guys almost look like they should be in the center, right? Because, I mean, they got, <laughs> they got gold. They're looking good. They, they look very smart. These guys could represent fame and wealth and education and Nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But if that's the focus of our life, like if our goal is just to acquire more money so then we can get a bigger apartment and then graduate from the apartment to like renting a house and then graduate from renting a house to actually buying a house in Silicon Valley. Are you kidding me? Like, like if that becomes the focus of our life, well, then it's probably something's probably feeling a little bit, a little bit off because you're created to do a whole lot more than that. But if we're honest, a lot of us, we we kind of put this at the center of our life and we spend money we don't have to impress people we don't really care about. And, and it just becomes this, this vicious cycle. And again, Jesus is in the picture, but maybe we allocate just to like one hour a week in, in the picture. And so, so it's just an opportunity to recalibrate, readjust our, our structure in our, in our life and what's most important. Now we could put, put these two in the center, this Mary and Joseph, but they could represent your family or a romantic relationship, or, uh, or your marriage, or your kids, your grandkids, your, your family. And, and it almost seems right, right? Like you put family first. It almost sounds right. Um, and family's important. Don't get me wrong. Family needs to be a priority, but, but, but should they be at the center? And if you put the family at the center, here's what is probably true of you. You're probably disappointed with some people that you really love because you're expecting something from them that they were never created to deliver to you. If you're expecting joy and love from your family, well, then whenever they can't show up at Christmas or whenever they, they can't come over for that event, then, then you're going to feel very 
disappointed. I remember when Tiffany and I, my wife, we were, we were going to premarital counseling and we're, we're young, in love, and, and, uh, and we were, we're meeting with our premarital counselor at Cracker Barrel. Y'all ever been to Cracker Barrel? Oh, come on, man. Something about Cracker Barrel just feels comforting. Ah, come on. Yeah, we like Cracker Barrel. That's a good ploy to get Cracker Barrel here in the Bay. Uh, but, but Cracker Barrel, like this country cooking, I remember like it was yesterday, I, your boy ordered a country fried steak covered in gravy, mashed potatoes and greens on the side. Oh, to eat like I was 24 again. Uh, my wife got a big platter of pancakes. And we're sitting down with our premarital counselor. And, and he, he says, hey, let me tell you the most important piece of advice I can give you on marriage. And I was like, wow, I better put down my fork from my country fried steak and lean in. And, and he said this, he, he quoted Proverbs, Proverbs 4, 23. And it says this, it says, he says, guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Like, like how you guard your heart or don't guard your, it's going to impact everything. And he began to unpack how, how Tim, if you, if you are looking for something from Tiffany, if you, you, you want to get married so that she'll make you happy or that she'll bring you joy, then prepare for disappointment. Because the only source of joy, the only source of peace, the only source of contentment has to come from someone beyond someone that you can see. Because people, family will let you down. And so I got to guard my heart. But he began to unpack how, how if, if you're a healthy individual, Tim, and she's a healthy gal, and, and you guys put God first, and you're, you're healthy individuals, then and only then can you become a healthy, a healthy couple. And it was revolutionary for me. Because I always heard, well, you got to, you know, you got to go in 100%. And my job's to serve her, make her happy. And there's, that's true. You try to outserve each other. But if I'm... She's looking for me for happiness, then <laughs> she would learn very quickly she's going to be very disappointed. Um, and same for me, because love and joy and peace and patience, those are things that only God can provide. Uh, there's a guy named C.S. Lewis. He wrote Chronicles of Narnia. He was a professor at Oxford, very, very smart guy. But he said this. He, he said, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because there is no such thing. And so if you're looking for happiness and peace in family or relationships, they can't provide it. They were never created to provide it. Only God can provide it. And, and you might be thinking, okay, Tim, well, you've gone through all the pieces. There's no more scenarios to go through, so wrap it up. And I, I'm about to. Uh, but, but what about these guys? What if we put the animals at the center? And don't, don't act like some of y'all don't have animals at a top priority. I got the Christmas card with your fur babies in it. Uh, I, I, we, were at the, we were at the YMCA, me and my daughter swimming the other day, and she goes, Daddy, there's a dog. And I'm like, Elsie, girl, we're indoors swimming at the YMCA. There's not a dog. Uh, she goes, no, Dad, there's a dog. And I look over, and there's a dog inside the YMCA dressed up like Santa Claus, y'all. I'm saying some people really prioritize their fur babies and nothing wrong with that. I like pets as much as the next guy. But, but if we make them the top priority, then our whole world revolves around them. These aren't just, doesn't just represent our pets, but our hobbies. I mean, for me, I can allow golf to become all consuming. I can, I got kind of this addictive personality. So if I get a hobby, I'm like all in with it. This represents, you know, sports teams. We can become uh, overzealous for our sports team. I have a Kansas City Chiefs fan. So all you Raiders get ready for tomorrow, baby, we're coming. Uh, but, uh, but, but, but I had this guy who on social media, he's from Kansas City area. And he said, he said,
said, man, my emotional well-being ebbs and flows with the Chiefs' win-loss record. And I thought, wow, you're entrusting your emotional stability to the hands of a 28-year-old dude? Like, Patrick Mahomes is great, but probably not the best choice, buddy. But we can. We, we can. we can allow things to consume us that were never meant to be the center of our life. But when they're at the center and everything's revolving around it, it just gets... It just gets out of balance. And so today, this Sunday, honestly, every Sunday, my goal isn't just to, just to preach. My goal isn't just to, uh, just to give you next steps. My, my goal is to help all of us recalibrate our life to restructure the pieces to where Jesus is again at the center of our life. And can I just ask you tonight, how, how's this going for you? Do, do, do we place a higher priority on work or, or, or on, 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 on education and wealth and fame or on, on family or on our hobbies or our pets? Or, or, or for sure in this Christmas season, maybe you're just consumed with family stuff going on. I would just invite you this Christmas Eve. What if you recalibrate and said, no, Jesus, I'm going to put you back in your rightful place. I want you at the center of everything. Uh, there's a Rolling Stones song that goes, I, I can't get no satisfaction. Y'all heard that song? Uh, great song. I can't get, I can't get no. That, it goes, it's a great song. Uh, but I'm not a very good singer, but that's how it goes. And, uh, and, and I don't know, uh, it's a great song, but just a terrible way to live. Living life like I can't get no satisfaction. And, and if that's where you are, it's worth acknowledging it, but God has something much better for you. In John 10.10, Jesus didn't just stay a baby, grow, became a man, uh, revolutionary teacher, like uh, still like we celebrate his birthday today for a reason because he changed the landscape of of humanity. But in John 10.10, Jesus said this, he says, the thief's purpose. So it's good just to pause and remember you got a real enemy out there and his, his name's the devil. But the thief, his purpose is to steal, kill and destroy your life. That's what he wants to do, wreak havoc in things that you love the most. Turn, turn things that are, are orderly and structured and turn them upside down on their head. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But here's what Jesus said. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life so you can get some satisfaction. But it's, it only comes whenever Jesus is at the center of everything. You might think, well, if that's Jesus' purpose, then why isn't that my experience? And I've said everything I've said so far to make this statement to you this Christmas Eve. And that is that a lot of people are expecting something from Jesus without committing themselves fully to Jesus. And Jesus doesn't want to just be in the picture of your life. He doesn't want to just be on the table, although that's important. But ideally, if you're going to experience the rich and satisfying life that Jesus offers, there's only one place for him. And that's right in the center of everything, where everything in your life revolves around him, that you filter the world around you through his word and and how he would respond in any given situation. So this Christmas, I want to give you an invitation to experience all that God has for you. I want to give you an invitation to put him back at the center of it all, because that's honestly where he desires to be. God said this in Jeremiah 29, 13. He says, you will seek me and find me when I'm at the center of your life, when you seek me with all your heart. Not not on the side, not behind the cattle or the donkey, right 
right in the center. You go all in with him. You'll experience his best. Jesus said this. He was approached by a teacher of the law in Matthew 22. And this guy comes to Jesus. He says, hey, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Like, so you think of all the Bible, of all the commands. What's, what's the most important one? And, and thankfully, Jesus boils it all down for us in one statement. He said this. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with with all your heart, like you're not just going to have him on the table. He's going to be in the center of your, your, your heart. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And then Paul in Romans, and we've been studying Romans as a church for a long time. And if you join us in 2024, you can join us in that study of Romans. But in Romans 10, 9, it says this, that if you confess with your mouth... Not just that you believe in Jesus, but that Jesus is Lord, like he's the ruler. He's the ultimate authority. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Jesus isn't interested in just being in the picture of your life or my life. The only way you can experience him fully is to put him at the center. And, And if you're like me in this season... He's probably on the table, but things have just kind of gotten shuffled. And some things have become front and center that you didn't even want to be there. And this is a moment for you, for me, just to restructure the nativity scenes of our heart, of our mind, of our life. And let's just put Jesus back where he belongs, right in the center of it all. Let me pray for you. Jesus.